The Word of God comes to us this morning from the book again, a letter of James, chapter 3, reading from verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So far, the reading of God's Word. Father, we thank you that you have sent us word from heaven. You sent this word through James. And we pray, O oh God, that by your Spirit you would open it to us. And not just that we would understand it, but, O oh God, that we might live by it. To the glory of our Savior Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. If I asked, which I'm not going to do, but if I asked uh, for all the wise and understanding persons in this room to stand, you tempted to ask if not. Why not? And I had, I think, five or six possible answers, which I'll leave laying by the wayside, and asked this. If you had stood, if I had asked, then what would your answer be if I said, prove your wisdom? What would you cite? What would you point to? What would you say? James was asking the wise folks among his readers to show themselves by their good conduct and meekness. Which tells us a couple of things about wisdom. We've been working our way through this letter of James, and uh, uh, he suggested wisdom early on, and then he suggested a number of other things. Now he's back to wisdom. Here are a couple of things about wisdom. In the first place, it's shown by how you live your life, not by how smart you are. In other words, don't show us your IQ or your ACT or SAT scores. We want to see these three evidences of your wisdom that you're wise and understanding. Good conduct. 
And by good conduct, I don't mean conduct that you may think is somewhat better than the person sitting next to you or in front of you or behind you or whatever. Good conduct, it means good on God's scale of conduct, according to God's standard. Second thing is works. And you remember Nathan spent a pretty good bit of time on, on, on this. Works that demonstrate your faith. Now James has already written, as, as Nathan's preached about, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? And we understand that the word justified there means vindicated, that, that he vindicated his faith. It was vindicated, it was proven by his action. Faith, James wrote on, was active along with Abraham's works and faith was completed by his works and the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. And then James went on to write, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead. So also faith apart from works is dead. And we had a whole sermon on that. But you sum sum that sermon up in uh, three words. Living faith works. It's that simple. And it's especially here in James when he talks about these good works. It's especially those works shown in your and my relationship with one another. And in particular, within the body of Christ. And we have more to say about that before we're done. Good conduct, good works, meekness. Which can also be translated gentleness or humility. And is. It's not the same thing as weakness. We, we often confuse it and think, well, to be meek is to be weak. And that's almost just the opposite. It, it rather describes somebody who doesn't push or, or her or his self or their agenda unto others. Jesus used it to describe himself in his invitation to come to him. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. It's the Greek word we translate here, meek. It's the same thing. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And everyone who followed him and were identified as the meek would, he promised, inherit the earth. This word we translate meek, when you dig through it, 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 it's talking about strength, about power, about the ability to do that's held in check, that's under strict control. There have been a whole lot of weaklings who have been proud and arrogant, anything but meek. The person James is describing is anything but proud and arrogant. 
as well as anything but weak. See, what James is asking these churches to whom he's writing, how much like Jesus are you? Wisdom will show, in short, in how you live your ordinary day-to-day life. Second thing to say about wisdom is that it comes in two forms. There's the worldly form of it, which is shown in the opposite, uh, you know, to the exact opposite of meekness, evidenced in three ways, the first two of which are bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. Both center on oneself, our own desires, what we don't have, what we want to have, what they've got, and how to get it. Worldly wisdom focuses on this. How do I fulfill these desires? It desires autonomy. To enact your own law. To, to write your own script. And here's the problem with those desires. We talked about it uh, last time I preached. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. And then the third uh, evidence of worldly uh, wisdom uh, is that it falls to the truth. Jesus said to the Father, your word is truth. Today, truth is a relative thing at best. And man, you and I, are the measure of it. And again, it's simply our desire to be autonomous working its way out. Not just philosophically, but practically in our life. We want to be our own God. Worldly wisdom doesn't come down from above. It comes up from below. It's earthly. It's earthbound. It's time-bound. It's informed only by the here and the now. It's earthly, temporal desires, ambitions, goals, rule it. There's nothing of heaven in it. It... It's unspiritual, that that is to say, it's sensual. Uh, It's guided by the senses. It exists within the realm of of the senses. It says with earthiness, this is all that is. If I can't see it, if I can't feel it, if I can't hear it, smell it, taste it, it mustn't be. It, It doesn't exist. devoid of heavenly input. It's demonic. Fostered by the devil. It rises up from the pit of hell, which is precisely where it leads back to. It's epitomized in the account of the serpent and Eve, if you think about it. Uh, 
She was beguiled. He spoke those magic words that we all want to hear. You shall be like God. Just eat the fruit. And she did. And we've been snacking on it ever since, have we not? And it results in what we see around us every day. Disorder and every vile practice, says James. And here I was going, I had a list of examples and illustrations and I said, well, that's stupid. Do I have to illustrate it in the world we live in? That's the fruit of worldly wisdom. But there's a heavenly form of wisdom as well that comes from above over against all our earthbound uh, uh, notions of wisdom, what it, wisdom might be and might not be. It's freed from the bonds of earthly, worldly, materialistic thought. It's freed from bonds to time and temporality. It takes a long view eternal view of things. It's not bound to earth. It's bound to heaven to which it ultimately leads. It's spiritual. It's from the realm of the spirit into the human soul that it works its way out. It's of God. It's pure, unmixed, uncontaminated, uncompromised, unpolluted. It's peaceable. It seeks, it makes, it keeps peace. The wise man's a peacemaker. Wise woman's a peacemaker. It's gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial, sincere, James says. And all of that is because God is. What James is saying is that that real wisdom reflects God's character. The wise person reflects God's character as it's seen in Jesus, in his meekness. He was a man who went about doing good works, the Bible says, in his perfect life, in his love. It all results in righteousness of thought, of life, of walk, talk, and peace. Well, that's what James says about wisdom. And every word that he says about wisdom here, understand, is written in a particular context. And the context is that of life and relationships in the local church. Which is to say, James is writing the South Baton Rouge Presbyterian Church, as well as all the other churches in the world. And all I'm going to do right now is let's review what we've already heard, what he's already written up to this point, that have been preached already in this series, but listen. Here's what James writes. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, 
Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Or again, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. My brothers, show no partiality. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Or again, he said, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? Yet again, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be. He's writing that to us. He's talking about you and me and about how we relate to each other here at South Baton Rouge and, and in the larger church in the world. So who is wise and understanding among you, among us? That begs a question. Well, how do we get wisdom in the first place? How do you, how do I become wise? James already answered that question. He answered it in the first chapter of the fifth verse. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask. Let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But, James writes, let him ask in faith. Which begs yet another question. Faith in what? Faith that God will answer our prayer for wisdom? Or faith that is resting in Jesus Christ? I think the answer is both. Where does faith that God will give anything come from except that from, the, from faith that God has given and that he has given his highest and best in his son Jesus and forgiveness in him? So who is wise and understanding? among you. He or she who has spurned the wisdom of the world to put his or her faith in Jesus Christ. 
who is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So who is wise and understanding among you? He or she who's living eternal life now. Taking the long view of things. Living as one who will stand before God in the last day. Living in anticipation of that coming time when there'll be no disorder, no vile practice. The coming time of righteousness and peace. Now, that said, if I ask you, which I'm not going to do, but if I ask for all the wise and understanding people to stand, would you? Could you? See, once again, we come to this. It's all in Jesus. That is the long and the short of it. Let's pray.